0: Welcome, friends. As you probably know by now, I love a good story, especially when it's a God story. I love to hear how God takes ordinary women like you and me and does extraordinary things in, for, and through them. Friends, I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author, and traveler on this journey of faith. I encourage you to take a moment to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you won't miss... Any of the stories of my amazing guests. Today I'm talking with Emily Zavala. Emily has walked with the Lord for more than 50 years. Over the decades, the Lord has taught Emily many things and turned her into a powerful prayer warrior. This wife, mother, grandmother, and servant in ministry has had a global impact from her prayer closet on her knees. She is full of wisdom and is a delight to know, and I know you, as you listen to her story, will be encouraged as well in your walk with the Lord. Welcome, Emily. Thank you, Jody, for having me. You have, as I mentioned, been walking with the Lord for many years now. How and
1: when did that all begin? Well, actually, uh, I can say that it probably began with my grandfather. Uh, My grandfather uh, got saved in the during the Depression, early thirties, so my mother knew the Lord as a child. So she grew up in that atmosphere. When she married my father, she was fifteen years old, and of course, she, you know, she left home and and so for many years, uh, she didn't go to church. So she wasn't away from God. She just, you know, was not a church goer. So when I was growing up, uh, we, we didn't grow up going to church. So uh, that's basically how it all happened. My mother uh, rededicated her life to the Lord uh, when my brother was drafted to the Army uh, during the 60s, and he went to Vietnam. And so she rededicated her life to the Lord. And uh, at that point, you know, our whole family atmosphere changed because she was now a Christian. She took us to church. Uh, I was about 16 years old, and I didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord. Uh wasn't ready at that point to give my life to God. And really didn't know what that was about. But fast forward a few years, and then I got married, and my husband and I bought a fixer-upper. And uh, so we needed some work done on our house, and one of my uncles did remodeling. And so he came and helped us, and, and that was great, and we really were so grateful for that. And uh, the only payment that he asked was for us to go to church with him. You know, we thought, well, yeah, we could do that. That's a lot cheaper than having to dish out money. But anyway, that was kind of our attitude back then. Prior to that, uh, I feel like I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. My mother, of course, would witness to us and she would say to me, "Uh, Emily, you need to turn your life over to the Lord. And uh, so I was running away from God pretty much. When my husband and I went to church, it was because we were having marital problems early on. And uh, and so that's kind of what drew me to church. So we went to church when my uncle invited us. And then uh, as we were coming into church, I could hear the choir singing. And we sat in the in the back pew of the church. And the song that was playing is How Great Thou Art. So we stood there in, you know, in the pew and, and listening to the music. And I was just under such conviction that tears just started flowing down my face. And I didn't know what was going on. I thought, what in the world is going on? Why am I crying? Why are these tears just flowing down my face? So it kind of scared me. (laughs) And so I looked at my husband. I said, let's get out of here. So we did. We left. You know, we came back the second time and the same thing happened. And then uh, at that point, you know, I really realized we were having problems in our marriage. And so we went again. Uh, and so at that time, I think it was the third time we went, we just gave our hearts to the Lord. I mean, I literally ran to the altar and my husband and I both came together and were saved and uh, things changed. Totally. I mean, we were radically changed. It was amazing. Um, and it's so true, you know, how they say that old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And literally that's what happened to us. I mean, we were just not the same people at all. It um, everything, even in our marriage, my outlook of marriage changed because prior to that, I thought I don't even know uh, if I want to be in this marriage. And so, when that happened, it's like everything changed, and uh, we were truly, truly born again. It was uh, the most exciting time. I remember calling my mother and, and letting her know uh, that my husband and I had gotten saved. And I mean, I can only imagine how she felt because she had 10 children. So I was the first of 10 children to get saved. And so her prayers were coming to fruition. And and so she was so excited and uh, we were both rejoicing. And uh, I remember, you know, going to visit my mom and how we were excited to talk about the Lord and, and all my other siblings would look at me and just kind of didn't want to have anything to do with me. Like, oh my goodness, she's saved. And uh, she even looks different. That's how it all began. It was exciting.
0: And you said everything changed. I mean, you know, your interest changed, your conversation changed, the things that, you know, the, the way you spent your time changed, you know, instead of doing other things, were in church or around people who were there. Um, so you really did see a dramatic change in
1: your lifestyle as well, right? Yes, absolutely. And the Lord was moving in such an incredible way during that time that was the Jesus movement. Mm. So my husband and I were like sponges. Anything that had to do with the Lord, we wanted it. We were so hungry for God.
0: Yeah, all across the country, people were turning their lives over to Jesus. It was a, it was a marvelous time. And gosh, when we see what's going on at Asbury and now some of the other colleges, we really pray that that is uh, the beginning of a new move of God like we saw back in the 70s and 80s. But within that six months of your conversion, many of your siblings and your neighbors and your friends,
1: they also got saved.
0: How did that happen?
1: Yeah, that was very exciting. And, and you're right, you know, thinking about the Asbury revival that's going on right now. I'm so excited about it. And uh, if there's a scripture in the Bible that says, um, I forget what scripture it is in Psalms that said we were like men that dreamed. You know, we've been praying for revival for fifty mm. years, and and to see another move of God. And so, seeing that is so exciting to me because it reminds me back when I got saved and how incredible that was. And you know, people were coming to the Lord, and so. Uh, I'm just so happy for those young people and what they're experiencing because it is going to be life changing, as it was for me. And uh, during that time, is um, we were just happy, we were excited. It was a new life, and and we witnessed it you know, just about anybody that you know we came across. And uh, of course, my siblings. Uh, I remember um, the church that we had gone to where I got saved. That very first week, it was one of these Pentecostal churches that. They believe that if you you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. But I was I received the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues the first week. I mean, I was just on fire. But then I soon realized that wasn't the church for us because it was so legalistic and so many things that they were demands that they were putting on us. So we were there maybe a couple of months, and there was a short period there that I didn't go to church. We were looking for a church, and then we found this one little church. It's called Oakland Assembly of God. We went through a friend of ours that told us about this church. Uh, We went to visit, and at the time that they were visiting, they were having a revival. And um, this was in January of seventy three. We were saved uh, August of 1972. And so in January of 73, we found this little church and we started going there and it was amazing. It was just amazing at the fire of God was there. People were praising God and were so excited. And as soon as we walked in, there was a couple that greeted us. I remember so well, brother and sister Salinas. So they greeted us and they just were so sweet. And basically from that time forward, they just kind of took us under their wing and they, you know, they invited us to go to their house. They would invite us to go to lunch. So we we began to, you know, spend time with them. I remember going to the altar uh, one Sunday morning at that church and and so I went for prayer for my siblings, for my family. And they asked, you know, what can we pray for? And I said, I just want my nine brothers and sisters to know the Lord. I want them to be saved. And so we prayed about that. And so we, I started inviting my, uh, my siblings one by one, my mother and I. She started coming to church with me there and she loved it. And so, you know, one by one, my siblings started coming me A couple of sisters came and then a brother, then another brother. And within six months of that time that we found that church, there was six of us uh, that were there they got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They were on fire just like I was. I mean, it was an amazing revival in the Savala family. It was every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night we were there uh, and we just didn't want to miss church at all. And so we started bringing in -in sister-in-laws and friends and neighbors and uh, we would literally fill up a whole pew of the Savala family. And it was just an exciting time. And the presence of God was
0: there. That's what drew you. It wasn't that you just wanted to be in church, but the
1: presence of God was there. Well the power of God that's what was uh that's what really drew us at the and the Lord literally just kind of imparted that fire to my husband and I from the very beginning. And um uh, I, I really can say throughout the years and i've always had that fire in me i've always wanted more of god and even my siblings now that that got saved during that time they're still serving god and so and then their children are serving god my children are serving god so it was a it was something that impacted generations it it was the fire and the power of god which is what so many churches have been missing several years these last several years but i believe that's coming back in the fire and the holy spirit uh is drawing people back to him just like he did back then in the Jesus movement and that's so exciting. Amen.
0: It is. And Emily, you told me that I mean once you accepted the Lord, you never looked back. You never wavered in your faith. And quite honestly, when you encounter the power and presence of God, it, it does. It gives you that spiritual hunger in you that just doesn't compromise for anything less. But what were some of the keys to your spiritual growth? I mean when we get saved, Jesus gives us the robe of righteousness to to be his children, but we are then transformed along the way from glory to glory to be more like Jesus.
1: Uh, it's a walk. But what were some of the keys in your spiritual growth? First of all, um, community. We definitely had community, and at that point, uh, so many of my siblings were were saved, and. We would talk about the Lord, and you know, we'd get together for dinner, and it was always centered around Jesus. And even in my own personal life at home with my husband and I, he was the center of our home. And so, going to the house of God, loving the house of God, that had a lot to do with my growth. And also, this incredible couple that I said mentored us, brother and sister Salinas, they just took us under their wing, and they would invite us to all the church functions. You know, when we were new at the church, and it was amazing. And we had so many questions about the Bible and they began to teach us about, you know, the Bible and we had whatever questions we had, they were able to answer them. And so I think another key would be that we were just hungry for God. We just never lost our hunger. We were always running after God and just searching and, you know, just wanted more of God. And it just kind of, it just grew as we grew in the Lord. It just, that part just kept going and So the Lord was teaching us along the way and he was molding us and um, he was creating in us what he wanted us to be. And, you know, throughout
0: your walk, you said he's creating you to be what he wants you to be. And that even impacted the way you looked at things and your
1: attitudes. Share a little about that. One of the things that really molded me was very early on when I got saved, didn't know anything about I didn't know how to pray, didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And that time when I left that first church that I was saved until I found the other church, it was a period of maybe a couple of months that I wasn't going to church. And, you know, just really wanted to go to church and, you know, just like, where do I go to church? And of course, the Lord opened up a door for me to go to Oakland. He opened up that opportunity. But in between that time, the Lord did something with me that, You know, I look back now, and that he was actually um, imparting to me what he want, what my assignment was to be, molded me into what my future was going to look like. So, what happened? Just an incredible uh, God encounter, actually that happened. My whole life in serving the Lord has been molded and changed because of all these different encounters. As I walk with the Lord, I've had all these different encounters through dreams and visions and just Encounters with the Holy Spirit. So, what happened to me in that little short time that I wasn't attending church? Um, it was in December of 1972 that there was an earthquake in uh, Nicaragua, Managua, Nicaragua, and I was watching it on the news. And for some reason, I had this urgency to pray, and I didn't know how to pray, but I just felt like I need to pray for them. Uh, I remember putting my baby to bed, uh, my Oldest daughter, she was nine months old, put her to bed. And then um, I got down on my knees and I, and I started to pray. But immediately what happened was the power of the Holy Spirit just came on me. And I began to speak in tongues that I really couldn't even speak English. I didn't know what was happening. But it was just this amazing encounter that the Holy Spirit was actually interceding through me. For this country and maybe for people that that I didn't even know for three days, Jody, I spoke in tongues nonstop and it was amazing at that point from that you know when I first got saved and I was filled with the Holy Spirit at that church and I spoke in tongues at one time, and then after that I didn't speak in tongues anymore until that encounter that I had with the Lord in December of nineteen seventy two and I, and I had even questions did I even speak in tongues did I even get saved And so when I had that encounter with the Lord, it's like he just baptized me and just poured that spirit of intercession on me. Of course, I didn't know it was intercession and I didn't tell anybody. And I did tell my my mom. And she said, Emily, that's just the Holy Spirit. So that's all I knew about that. And so that was kind of my introduction to intercession and a a precursor of of things to come years later. But that's what God imparted to me at that time. I didn't know he was going to call me to be not only a prayer warrior, but an an intercessor. You know how it says in the Bible uh, that he looked from among them to see if there was anyone to stand in the gap. That's what the Lord did with me. And of course, I didn't know that until years later, I realized what the Lord had called me to. So that was an amazing experience. Yeah, I
0: mean you were partnering with God in something that he wanted he wanted done in the earth. I mean, he he wanted to pour out his his compassion and help on those people and you know, at that time in your life you couldn't go physically, but you could go in the spirit and that's what he called you to do, which is an which is an amazing thing that we get to partner with God, isn't it?
1: And I was so young, I, I didn't even know what that was, but it was great. I, I know it felt wonderful. And the fact that um, the Lord that did that early on, is, I think, really kept me throughout my walk with the Lord and, and the community and mentorship. You know, back then in those days, we did a, what we call fellowship. You know, after church, we'd go out to eat and we just fellowship is what we called it. Now we call it community Uh, And I remember my youngest daughter, Laura, said she would say after church, well, mom, are we going to go (laughs) fellowshipping? And so that's what we call fellowship. So we did a lot of fellowshipping back then. So I think that was another key.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, your daughters, Um, you have two of them. Uh, now adults, beautiful, beautiful women of God. But how did you pass your faith to your kids? I mean, I'm sure the community had a lot to do with it, but even in your home, what were some of those things that you did that helped place that love of God in them as well?
1: I think the, the fact that uh, we loved Jesus and it was evident in our home that we loved him and uh, prayer was a key and uh, conversation about the Lord. That's what we talked about. We, and even when the girls were little and, um, And they would come home from school. They would tell me different things that would happen at school. And, you know, we, we would pray about it. And so they would see the Lord answer prayer. And just the house of God and very involved in the house of God. My husband and I were Sunday school teachers. We at children's church, we were in the choir, we did bus ministry. So our whole life, Jesus was the center of our life. And this is what my children saw growing up. Uh, they saw a love for the house of God. They saw a love for Jesus. And so it was an exciting time. They would see us be excited and we couldn't wait to go to the house of God. They learned to love it and they got involved and they would see us that we were visible doing the things that the Lord called us to do. So it was an example that we lived before them.
0: Yeah, you know, I had a very similar experience. I mean, I grew up in that era as well. And my we got saved around the same time I was young. Um, and watching my parents live out their faith in front of us at home marked me for life. I mean, of course, it was the Holy Spirit working in me. But, you know, praying together as a family and seeing God answer our prayers. I mean, you know, God's real when you see that.
1: Absolutely. It's just like the word of God says, you know, teach your children in the way they should go or train up your children in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart. So that's what we instilled in them. And
0: it was amazing. And over the years, Emily, the Lord has moved you even into new levels of of your prayer life and your understanding of that partnership with God. Share a little bit about that and really what you learned about spiritual warfare, which is a whole nother level of prayer.
1: It is there is prayer, and then there is intercession, then warfare, spiritual warfare. I knew a little bit about spiritual warfare, but I didn't really grow in spiritual warfare until my youngest daughter uh, turned away from God, and that was a huge surprise to me that was I didn't see it coming at all because my my children were they loved the Lord they were. Uh, great children, and they were just sweet little girls, and they were always winning these character awards at church. And I just really prided myself, and and being a good mother and actually probably a little bit too much. I think that was a prideful part of me that I thought, you know, kind of patted myself on the back like, I'm such a good mother. And I was, I was a good mother. But when my daughter turned away from the Lord, it was just such a shock to me that it literally it happened overnight. Like I said, I didn't see it coming. And then at that point, uh, I remember asking the Lord, Lord, what in the world happened? Why did this happen? How did this happen? And so the Lord, you know, began at that point, uh, I began to walk a journey of doing spiritual warfare. I had not, you know, been engaged in spiritual warfare like I engaged for two years during that time. And so when I asked the Lord, what in the world happened? What is, how did this happen? And the Lord took me to a scripture in, um, I think it's Luke, where it says, you know, a man was sowing seed while he was asleep the enemy came in and planted spat seeds. When the seeds started growing and, and the sower saw these weeds, you thought, how did these weeds happen? How did this come about? And that's kind of like what happened with me when I asked the Lord, how did this happen? He began to show me some of the things that I needed to war over. And so that was a whole new experience. And I didn't, read books on that. I just didn't know anything about warfare, but he literally began to show me and teach me how to do warfare step by step, which was amazing. So the first thing he showed me is about generational curses. So he began to show me how to do that, how to break generational curses. So I began to call out those curses that I felt like were on my side of the family and my husband's side of the family. So that's kind of how I began. And what did you do? I mean, you called them out, but
0: what did you do about those curses? I mean, did you break them in some way? Did you repent for something? I mean, when you say you called them out, what is what does that mean, Emily? I mean, a lot of, a lot of people listening might want to do the same thing, but they
1: are not quite sure what you mean by that. Well, my husband and I began to do warfare together. And so we began to talk about it and, you know, what are the things that we need to maybe some of the generational curses that are in our, our family on both sides. And so, you know, we began to, you know, recognize what those were. And then we prayed together and we, you know, came against those curses and and just closed the door on them. And, and that particular well, one of them, which was a huge one and on my husband's side of the family, uh, they dealt a lot in witchcraft, literal witchcraft. Witchcraft is very uh-huh. embedded into the Hispanic community. It's in the culture, even a little bit on our side of the family. But, you know, it was heavy on his side of the family. So, of course, that's one generational curse that we broke. I mean, we just utterly broke it together and, you know, pleaded the blood of Jesus over that. And we had learned a little bit, a little bit about warfare, but just actually didn't put it to practice until that particular time.
0: Yeah. And scripture says Jesus became the curse for us so that we didn't have to live under the curse. So when we put those things under the blood of Jesus, we can be sure
1: that those those things are broken. Absolutely. And then he began to show me about things in my own life, my personal life that I didn't know was there. And one of them was pride. One of the things um, that the Lord showed me is that, and I called it being a rebellious wife or a wife that Manipulates her husband. My husband thought I was great, you know, and all that, but the Lord showed me that. And I went to him and I said, Honey, the Lord showed me that I have been a rebellious wife and I need to repent. So I repented before him and I asked him to forgive me. And he said, Oh, you haven't done anything. No, you're fine. I said, No, I knew better. I knew better. My husband was such a good man. He was a good man, had a good heart, very patient. And sometimes I tended to manipulate. The situation to get my way, like so many of us wives do, we manipulate our husbands. And it wasn't like a big sin, but it was a sin. And it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And so the Lord showed me that. And at that point, and I began to just change my attitude about that. Sometimes I'm trying to make a decision about something. And I thought, well, no, we didn't. we need to do it this way. So the Lord showed me, no, you need to let your husband lead. You know, and if he feels like this is what's good for your family, then you should go with that. And so I began to change my attitude in that respect and made a world of difference in me personally. And also, um, he showed me during that time that I had been a, uh, I had expectations on my children that I, I had put demands on them that I shouldn't have. And I kind of judged their walk with the Lord with my walk with the Lord and how much I love the Lord and, you know, knew the word of God. And, and so I just would show them things that they were doing, that they were doing wrong. And I would say, well, you need to pray about that. You need to repent. I was putting expectations on my children that I should not have. And I remember during that time, uh, I Laura had rebelled. That one night she just was we had a big fight in the family, and she left so a couple of weeks later, I went. To her, and I went to her and I said, "Look, I am so sorry, Laura. This is what the Lord showed me that I've been—I have not been a good parent in this respect, and I want you to forgive me." And so she said, "Mom, I forgive you, but I'm not going back home." <laughs> and so I thought that was going to help her to come back home for me to admit what some of the areas where I had been wrong, or you know, where I had been too strict or too demanding, or or whatever. But she did not come home,
0: and she was an adult by this time; she wasn't a teenager. Yeah,
1: well, she was eighteen. She just turned 18. Yes, she was an adult in body, but maybe not in mind. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: So uh, so I went to her and she said, oh, no, I'm not coming back home. And so that just devastated me. And that's what took me to uh, nonstop intercession and doing warfare for her. For for two years, the Lord showed me how to pray. And even different things that uh, I saw in her that I thought, oh, no, I need to break that spirit that's been you know, hovering over her and I just would break that. One thing that happened, one of the things that that I was so shocked about, you know, when Laura turned away from the Lord was that she was just the sweetest little girl growing up and she had the call of God on her life. And I didn't know that. I just, she would do things and I didn't realize that she had this call of God on her life. I just thought it was so sweet. Uh, When she was little, she just, loved the Lord. And she was like a little evangelist, even as a little girl. She would witness to her friends in school. And uh, this was an elementary school. She had a, I think it was in third grade. She had led one of her little friends to the Lord. His name was Patrick. And uh, Patrick, you know, got saved and uh, he wanted to be a little preacher. And of course she was, she was on fire for God. And so together uh, they prayed for their classmates. They would fast their lunch, mind you, they would fast their lunch and pray for their classmates. And so one day they went up to the teacher and asked if they could uh, preach to the class. And because it was a Christian school, the teacher allowed them to do that. And so Laura sang a song and spoke a little bit about the Lord. And then, and then Patrick preached a word. I don't know what he preached on, but it was the sweetest thing. I thought that was just so sweet. So they invited these kids to church and Laura knew that my husband and I would go pick them all up. She just knew. and She didn't even have to ask. She said, my mom and dad will pick you up. So sure enough, I remember that one Sunday we brought all these kids to church. And, and so one night, there was a Christian uh, radio station that had just started in Houston. It's called um, KSBJ, and it's still ongoing. But they were at the early stages of um, the radio show, and they had a program at night that was called Nightlight. Laura wanted to call in one night, and uh, you know, give her testimony about what happened in the classroom. So I said, "Yes, honey, you could go ahead and call." And this was a Friday night. She uh, She called the radio station and then I had put a little cassette tape in the recorder and you could record from the cassette tape from the radio. So I recorded that conversation and basically she gave her testimony about uh, what the Lord did in her classroom and how these kids got saved and her, it was a sweet testimony. And the DJ, I remember his name was Tony J. He said, Laura, you're, you're very mature for your age. And I have a word for you. He says, I've never done this before. I've only done this twice, but I have a word for you. And basically it was out of Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 30 or 31 and that she would be a prophet to the nations. And so, you know, I recorded that and I had forgotten all about that because At that point, I didn't know anything about prophetic movement, prophetic words. None of that was taught in my church. And so during that time that I was doing warfare, the Lord reminded me about that tape. So I took it out and I listened to it and I thought, oh, my goodness, no wonder the enemy has come against her. She's cut the call of God on her life. So I began to really pray into that word. And so then I began to prophesy over her. And I remember writing a letter to her and saying, girl, the Laura that you see in the mirror is not the real Laura. The real Laura is going to get saved. She's going to marry a man of God, and she's going to win many souls to the kingdom of God. And so, um, she tells me now when she received that, she thought she must be crazy. She thought I was crazy because she was away, to- totally away from God, and so. But that's the word of the Lord that He gave me, and I stood on that, and I didn't, I didn't um, veer from that at all. And so that's exactly what's happened. She's has an amazing life right now. She's married to a, a wonderful man of God, worship leader. She's gone to the nations. She's prophesied. It's just amazing. So it's just really important if parents have a vision for their children that they write it down, just like it says in... Um, back that says write the vision and make it plain and this is God's vision this is God's vision yeah. yeah because
0: you had your own ideas of what your kids were doing but when you had God's vision that's what had power behind it
1: yes absolutely and that's that's what I knew that the lord was doing in her life it just was so clear to me it was just amazing it took 2 years of warfare and uh, toward the end of that 2 years what my husband and I did, of course, he taught me so much during that time. It's amazing; I could literally write a book about that. Toward the end of the two years of intercession and warfare that I did, my husband and I decided to go off for three days, and we found a, a little cabin in the middle of nowhere that we borrowed from a friend of ours. Went there and fasted for three days. We didn't we didn't take any food. We just took herbal teas and you know had the Word of God, and we fasted for three days read the word of God. It was amazing. And shortly after that, Laura came back to the Lord just as quickly as she was away from God. She, that, that quickly she returned to the Lord, almost as if none of that had ever happened. And she came back even stronger than she was right before that. It was just amazing. It's such a beautiful God story.
0: Mm, that is a God story. And that God story really birthed a new desire in your heart to pray for prodigals. For other people, share a little bit about that. Because I know that in our staff pro times, when you were on staff at, at Somebody Cares, we prayed for many of them. And I know
1: that wasn't the beginning of that heart for you. So share a little bit about that. When that happened at the beginning, when I was just shocked about it, I was literally depressed for about three days. Um I didn't want to get out of bed. It was like I just couldn't believe it. It was so devastating to me because all I've ever wanted in my life was to be a mother, uh, a wife, and that my children serve the Lord. That was the main thing. But I quickly, after three days, I got out of bed and I just rolled up my sleeves, I remember, almost like saying to the devil, you don't know who you're messing with. And so I sort of rolled up my sleeves and started praying nonstop at that point, as the Lord gave me this tenacity to just pray. So I started praying for every prodigal that I could think of. And I saw some of them come to the Lord uh, during that time. So, uh, And then praying for my daughter, yeah, and the and the devastation that a parent feels for that, that your, your children are away from God. Uh, That's the worst nightmare for a parent. As far as I'm concerned, that's the way I feel. It's just one of the worst things. And so I do have a heart to pray for prodigals because I could see the hand of the Lord and and the promises that he gave us uh, that uh, our children would be saved. And one of the words that he gave me during that time that I was praying was out of Isaiah, where it says, my words that I have put in your mouth would not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your children, nor out of the mouth of your children's children. And so I stood on that word and I declared it and it's true. You know, it it came to pass. So the word of God is so powerful. Amen. Well, you
0: know, of course, the Bible is the preeminent book on learning anything about the Christian faith, including prayer. But, you know, over time uh, are some other really good books on prayer that can kind of point us in the right direction. Do you have any that you can recommend books or resources for others who might want to become more effective?
1: Well, like you said, first of all, the Bible is the one that I recommend, you know, reading the Bible. That's just first and foremost, because the word of God is life and it's spirit, you know, devour the word of God as much as you can. And a a good book on prayer, which I read years ago, uh, is called Destined for the Throne. And so it it teaches it about prayer. And then uh, on warfare, I would recommend uh, This is How We Fight, by Francis Frangipane, which is totally warfare. It's a great book. And then for personal growth, I would say Hindspeed in High Places. That's a mm. good book. Beautiful daily devotional. Yes, I can. love it. And then also Intimate Friendship with God by Joy Dawson. Our
0: mm. mm-hmm.
1: four books that I, I would recommend. So Emily, as you said, Laura did come back to the Lord
0: in a in a remarkable way after two years of persistent prayer for you. But about 10 years later, the unthinkable happened and your husband was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And when we're in the midst of crisis, we generally, we don't even know where to recognize all that's going on around us. But as you've looked back on those months uh, before he went to be with the Lord, um, how did you see God carrying you through that?
1: Yeah, well, it's amazing how your life can change from one day to the next forever. And that's literally what happened my whole life changed at that point. You know, he uh, had, a, had a, a seizure one night and I thought it was a heart attack. And But uh, he had a seizure, I called the ambulance and they came and so went to the hospital and um, ran some tests. And then I was given the devastating news that he had a brain tumor. I was just shocked. At that point I thought, okay, I don't, I don't know how, what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to act, but it's just like right away. The Lord took me to healthcare mode to care for my husband, to focus on him. And so at that point, I just focused on him and how I was going to take care of him for nine months. I remember they had had gone to the hospital. They did a biopsy and the biopsy came that it was just inoperable and there was nothing they could do. The chemo wouldn't even help. And they did some um, radiation, um, and the doctors you know when we went back two weeks later after the hospital we went back for the uh, results And he asked the doctor well doc how, how long do I have and the doctor said nine months and so he said okay so he was such a brave man the doctor told me exactly what to expect and you know the next nine months and how it was going to happen and sure enough it happened just like that so for nine months you know I took care of my husband and my daughter Laura was at the time, like I said, she was just traveling all over the world. God was using her using her mightily. And she was working for a ministry in Norway at the time. And so I called her and told her what happened. So she made a beeline back home, helped to take care of him, helped me for nine months to take care of her dad. You know, it's really something, uh, how that during that time when I had done so much intercession uh for so many things that the Lord had me pray about nations and people and during that time. It's just almost like that kind of stopped. And I wasn't, you know, giving care about just to get, you know, care to my husband. So it was funny how that didn't happen. I thought, Lord, all this intercession that I've done. And so here the spirit of intercession is not stirring in me for for myself and for my husband, but, um, but the Lord showed me that he was carrying me. He really showed me so clear that poem about the footprints, how, you know, the person only saw one pair of footprints because that's, that was when the Lord was carrying them. So the Lord literally carried us during that time. And so I know other people were praying for us. And so we made it through that time and my husband passed away. In May of 2003, the Lord gave me the strength to take care of him and didn't fall apart at all during the whole time I was taking care of him. But after he passed away, it was just like I sat down after the funeral and I and I realized, what in the world did I just go through? So the Lord began to show me what I had just been through. And he told me, Emily, I'm going to bring you into a time of peace. When I was sitting there on the couch, looking at the picture window, very lonely right after my husband died, just so lonely and feeling sorry for myself and depressed. And, um, the Lord said to me, Emily, I'm in the loneliness. And, uh, he's just began this conversation with me. And I sort of tilted my head, got like, what? And he said, I'm in the loneliness. And he immediately began to put a song, um, remind me about a song that Michael W. Smith wrote. That's called, um, above all, I think it says, um, some of the lyrics are, um, crucified, abandoned, and alone. He took the fall and thought of me above all. And then it says, crucified, abandoned, and alone. Uh, he took the fall and thought of me above all. And so, I uh, remember those words and I said, Lord, you were, you do know what loneliness is because you were hanging there on the cross. You were all alone. Even the Father had to turn his eyes away from you because you had all the sin, our sin, on you that you carried on the cross. And then he said to me, Emily, do you remember that plant? And of course, through the years, as long as I've been in that house, I've had many, many, many plants. But I knew exactly that the Lord was talking to me about that cord plant that I'd had years before that we had put in the patio. And at that time, when he he spoke that to me, that plant had been gone, long gone, years ago. But it's funny that I knew exactly what plant he was talking about. And he said, Emily, there is a fragrance that I want to emanate out of your life that only comes through the dark times. And so at that point, you know, I, I said to myself, I can feel sorry for myself or i can dive into this season of mourning and walk through my season of mourning with the lord and so the lord began to show me emily this is your season of mourning you know how it says there's a, a time to uh, be born time to die time to rejoice and and so and then there's a time to mourn and so i recognized that this was my time to mourn and that i had to do it with the holy spirit and so i invited the holy spirit to come in to help me mourn and to comfort me, and, and he did. And there was times where, you know, talk to uh, talk, think about my husband and pray his love song to me that he, that he had. That I would play it over and over, and I would cry. And, and it was just, I just dove myself into the season of mourning, and dealt with it, you know, with everything I had. And it was painful, but it was good at the same time. After you know, I gave myself a whole year to do that. And uh, he carried me through that. It was amazing. And that, that one encounter with the Lord just really helped me to recognize that I was in the season of mourning. And that I was to, you know, not put it in the back burner, not deal with it, but deal with it with yeah. the Lord. Go, go through it with the Lord. And it was just, it was amazing. It really was. Amen.
0: Well, you know, friends, there are widows and orphans all over the world who are in very difficult circumstances, like now in Turkey, in Syria, due to the horrific earthquake. Many have special needs that we, as a company of women, we can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to hergodstory.org and click on the widow and orphan tab at the top of the page. Emily, you mentioned you know your your grief and your sorrow, and during those times, we can feel like God's done with us. But He wasn't done with you, was He? He placed you in a new role, in a new ministry, giving you new ministry opportunities. So what happened? Tell us a little about the things you saw God doing.
1: It was, that was an amazing time. Like I said, and and I wanted to mention one thing about that, uh, that plant um, that when I started, I, well, actually what happened, I had gone to work. I'd gone, I had found a job uh, at a church near um, my home and I thought it's time for me to go to work. So I, I found this job and I was there for about a year and then they let me go. And then I, um, my friend Doug Stringer heard about it and he said, Emily, I want you to come work for me. And, uh, um, so and I, I thought, Oh my goodness. And he's, I said, no, Doug, you don't have to do that. He said, no, he said, just bring your resume next week and uh, we'll talk about it. So that was on a Thursday and that weekend, um, uh, hurricane Katrina hit and it was devastating. And so on Monday, Mm-hmm. Um, Doug had called me he said well, can you come in today so I went in so when I went in um, there was into the office there was so many people there that had gathered because Somebody Cares was sort of a hub of uh, you know where people would gather when there was you know things that happened like disaster relief and so there was so many people there I walked in there was just like people everywhere the phone was ringing and people were talking they having conferences and it was just amazing so I I did I knew it was Doug was too busy to, to interview me. So I just went in there and I just started answering the phone. I just started picking up the phone. And I went into one of the offices and just started answering the phone. And so that's what happened. That's kind of how I was introduced to somebody cares. And so after things had died down about a month or two, and actually right after Katrina, I think it was another hurricane. I believe it was Rita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so it was back to back. So it was nonstop at somebody cares. And so I got involved in this disaster relief. That was part of what they did. They did so many things, but part of it was disaster relief. And so after about two or three months of that, Doug finally sat down and talked to me about what I would be doing there. So so what he did, he just kind of put me at the front desk as a receptionist. and And that was amazing because that was a whole new experience for me because prior to that, I had pretty much been a housewife and a mother, which I enjoyed doing. So I had no big work experience other than that one year that I worked for that church also as a receptionist. And so so anyway, uh, he put me there at the front desk and I was a receptionist. And, and uh, it was wonderful being there working for Doug and um, he was a friend, but also he was just a big leader in, in the city. He was well-known all over the world. And to be able to be a part of this ministry it just opened up a whole new life for me.
0: And you were so valuable as people came in uh, looking for assistance. You were the first beautiful face they saw and with such compassionate, which was a whole new area of ministry that you hadn't
1: had before. That's right. I I was plunged into ministry, which was amazing. And And just working for Doug, Doug was such a good man. And I think Doug's heart wasn't so much concerned about what my skills were, which weren't very many, but he was concerned that he was fulfilling the word of God to help the widow. That really was his heart. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was his heart for hiring me. And so, because he really wanted to help the widow, my whole life changed. I met so many incredible people in ministry, pastors from all over the city. And from time to time, we would do these these pastors uh, meetings and uh, pastors and leaders meetings, which I was a part of and part of greeting. And I got to know all these incredible people in ministry in Houston. And every time I'd go to a different church, you know, I knew people there. And so it just opened up a whole new world for me, like I said. So one of the things that I did there, uh, I wanted to share this story. My friend Belinda Thacker was Doug's assistant at that time and her and I became good friends. And then, um, I shared with her the story about my plant, my corn plant, and uh, I remember saying, "You know, it's uh, something, Belinda, that that fragrance would only come out at night." I remember that that it was only at night for some reason. So she said, "Well, Emily, what kind of what does it look like?" And, and so I tried to describe it to her. She said, "Why don't you just look it up on the on the computer?" And she showed me how to do that. So. You know, so here comes this picture, you know, the computer bought this image of the corn plant. And I clicked on that website and it was a a, a website of a a nursery of plants and flowers and all that. And different people would write in their questions. And there was one particular lady that said, I have this corn plant in my house. And all of a sudden it started blooming. And I've had it for years and years. And that's kind of what happened to my corn plant. I didn't know it bloomed until years and years later. So she said, all of a sudden, it it gives out this fragrance that's so strong, I have to get it out of my house. And and the, the person wrote back and said, well, the fragrance part only happens in mature plants. And it's rare, but it only happens in very mature plants. So that's another thing that the Lord showed me when he was talking to me about that season of mourning, that there was a fragrance that he wanted to emanate out of my life that only comes through the dark times. And it said, and also in that um, website, that letter said, um, it only um, happens in the evening. The the plant only gives out its fragrance in the evening. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad he said that because I thought that I really just noticed that it was at night. Did, I, it, did, did that really happen? And so that clarified that, yes, you know, I, it did, it happened. And so the Lord showed me then as, as well that, he could speak to me like that because of all the years of serving him and the maturity level that I was at, that he could actually speak to me that way.
0: Yeah, and the boy, the fragrance of Christ does emanate from you and the years that you were at somebody cares. It was very clear to so many that, you know, you know that the Lord brought in so that that fragrance of Christ, they could be touched by it too. So what a wonderful uh, example of Of what God does in our lives when we submit our life to Him.
1: absolutely it's it's just so beautiful. I just love it. I'm so humbled by it. It, it just stirs that fire in me for the Lord and then just more of him and even to this day, you know, it's just amazing what the Lords done in my life. and one of the things that He showed me early on again, all through these different uh times periods in my life that he marked me and imparted me and helped me to grow into who I was going to be. And one of the uh, scriptures that he gave me early on as a Christian was through this beautiful dream that I had no way to interpret it, but it's something that never left my mind. And it was this beautiful dream. I was in this forest and the trees were so tall that I looked up and they kind of shaped into a cone. They were so tall and big, big red, shiny fruit was hanging from that tree, from those trees, it was like a forest. And so um, the Lord, for some reason, took me to scripture and says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you that you would bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. And so I can look back now through all these years that the fruit in me that he started to mold and develop at an early you know, early 50 years ago that it has remained because it's remained in my children and it's remained in my grandchildren. And now even great grandchildren, I have a great grandchild. He goes and witnesses, um, you know, he's only a baby, but my grandson goes out and prays in the streets of Houston. He takes this baby with him. So he, he's, the fruit is in him as well. And so my grandchildren are serving the Lord. So it's so true that when the Lord marks you, when he says, that you are who you are. It is so true because now I can see back that um, the fruit has remained and will continue to remain. Um, but you know, going back to working at uh, with Doug Stenger, somebody cares. One of my uh, jobs when I started working there is to proofread. Uh, the books that he would write, and so Belinda had me proofread the book that he was writing at that time, which is called "Who's Your Daddy Now." And in that book, he wrote a little segment about my daughter and how she was—you know—Doug was like a spiritual father to her and helped her and mentored her in so many ways. Even even helped to finance some of her ministry trips. It was amazing. During that time, you know, he was. Uh, writing a kind of a little segment about her and how her father had passed away and that before her father passed away, he had asked Doug to watch over us. Well, I didn't know that at the time. I had no idea. And so when I was pre that book and I saw that that's what uh, was written in there, I was just like, oh, my goodness. And I went to Doug and I said, Doug, please don't feel obligated to do any of that. I said, because my husband, where the tumor was – you know, sometimes, you know, he, it just wasn't, he wasn't in his right mind. So, and I explained that to him and he said, no, Emily, I knew it was God. And so I love how Doug, you know, had me come there and, and just to be under his covering, it was such a gift to me because, you know, after you lose your husband and, you know, your whole world changes and I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? And the Lord was so sweet to place me in that ministry, not because of any skill that I have, but because of a man of God that decided to, you know, live out the word of God This is to take care of the widows. And he he literally took care of me, not, you know, financial or anything, although, you know, of course I get paid for working there, but just to be under that covering. And I can truthfully say that the trajectory of my life would have been totally different after my husband passed away, had I not worked there at Somebody Cares. So that marked me uh, and, that, and and just who I am today. And to this day, Doug's a good friend and he's family to me and all my family at Somebody Cares. So God had so much more for me that I didn't know about after my husband passed away. And where does God have you now? Well, after, you know, being there at Somebody Cares for 15 years, which was an amazing season in my life. My children live in the Dallas area and they're all in ministry. And so I thought, well it's time, you know, for me to sell my house and move. So I moved here to be close to my family. At my age, I need to be closer to family, just to be there for them. And I'm continuing to do to intercede for my family. And I say to people, pray for your family. Pray for your children and don't don't stop praying because nobody prays for your children like you do. And so one of my main Uh, callings in life is to pray for my children because they're all in ministry. And we know that people in ministry, you know, all the attacks come against people in ministry in so many different ways. And so I, I pray for them. That's, uh, a job that I pray, pray for them every day, pray for the ones that God gives me to pray for, intercede for situations. I'm still praying for the nations. I'm still praying for revival now more than ever. And and I'm so um, happy and excited to see the Asbury uh, revival. And I know that's just a precursor of what is to come. I believe that's going to even grow. And, um, and and I'm excited about that. So I'm doing a lot of you know, praying for, you know, revival and praying for you know, the church and praying for my family and 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 just being available to the Lord in any way that He wants to use me in prayer and intercession.
0: Amen. So I love to ask my guests, Emily, if there's a woman or women in the Bible that have inspired or encouraged or taught you something, what about you? Is there one that comes to mind?
1: There's so many, um, I mean, I think we can relate to every woman in the Bible at some point or another in our walk with the Lord. Um, but like at this point, it, you know, you know, in my 70s and almost my late 70s now, um, I'm available for the Lord if he wants me to intercede for whatever, just like Anna. Anna was in the Bible. She loved in the Bible. She loved the house of God. And so she dedicated her life to prayer. And that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm doing. And to pray for my children um, so that I can relate to Anna right now. And also, I love the story of Hannah when she would go year after year to the temple and pray uh, for a child. And just like I would go to the Lord you know over uh, again and again in prayer for my my daughter that was away from the Lord, and so one particular time that she was praying, which um she yeah, I think it was um Eli, I think it was the priest Eli would see her, and then she was <clears throat> she was trembling and she was shaking and and he thought she must be drunk, but I know that it was intercession, she was doing mm-hmm. intercession, and I know that at that time the Lord spoke to her and said. You know he was going to answer her prayers because she she got up and she you know she felt better and she you know felt joy and so the Lord did answer her prayer and so I can relate to to Hannah in the persistent prayer of intercession and how she saw her prayers come to fruition concerning her um her child Amen. wanting a child.
0: Well first Thessalonians five verses sixteen through eighteen says always be joyful never stop praying Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. As you've listened to Emily, you've heard that she is one who doesn't stop praying. Uh, She goes to the Lord with thanksgiving, uh, with joy, uh, knowing that he is her heavenly father and cares for her needs. And he's doing the same for you. He wants to do the same for you. Never stop praying. Emily, would you take a moment and pray for everybody who's listening
1: to this amazing God story. Heavenly Father, we just uh I just want to say I love you so much, Lord. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share my testimony. God, and I pray that you would open uh, doors and ways that people out there that are listening to my voice will be able to share their testimony because your word says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and how powerful it is. And just as I have a story that, you know, kind of behind the scenes when nobody really knows, but you know my story, you've molded me and I ask that you mold them, Lord, and that you reveal to them what their story is what their assignment is, what their position in the church of God is. Um, And so, God, I just pray that you would anoint them, that you would stir up the gifts that are within them, Father. And, Lord, that you would teach them, those that— that maybe have way where children Lord, that, um, that they can know father, that you do answer prayer because it is your will for our children to be saved. And when we pray according to your will, you will do it. So I just pray that they will never give up, that they will, um, uh, pray without ceasing and continue to pray even after their children come back to the lord that they would continue to pray for their their families lord like never before and so i pray god that um that those that need even need healing right now, that anything they need is in the word of God and that your word never comes back void. And when they declare your word, that you will do it, Father. I pray that you would stir a hunger in them for more of your word and for your ways and for your character, Father, and that you would lead them in every season, Father, that you would teach them what they uh, should need to learn at that time, that their ears will be open to your voice and that their eyes will be will have spiritual eyes to see what you want them to see that they would have the mind of christ father and that you would bless their families lord and their walk with the lord that they would just go from glory to glory and continue to serve the lord all the days of their lives because their fruit will remain as it has remained in me and my family in jesus name amen
0: Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find scriptures and other information we talked about. And don't forget to sign up for our emails and get a six-week devotional book you can download for free. Or you may want to purchase a 12-week devotional book on women of the Bible for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to our Widows and Orphan Fund. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line, so give us a call anytime at 855 459 care or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19. May God strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man, so that Christ dwells in your heart through faith. May you be rooted and established in love and have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. May you be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.